The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I'm your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Greetings, hello. I hope that you are all doing well. It is almost the end of February. I cannot believe it. It is just crazy. Um, been a handful of things that have been happening in the past few weeks. I was supposed to go down to Houston to judge for Youth America Grand Prix. Um, but they decided last second uh, that to keep me more local uh, because there are a lot of travel restrictions in New York. But I was really lucky because I would have ended up stranded in Houston during that crazy uh, winter storm down there, um, which I think would have been very ironic considering the last time I visited Houston, I got stranded for five extra days in Hurricane Harvey. So <laughs> it actually ended up working in my favor. Um, but also a good part of that falling through, see, sometimes things bad, th- bad things happen, but good things happen on top of it. Uh, beyond that, I am now qualified in New York state to get a vaccine and I was able to get an appointment for a vaccine and it was supposed to be on the Thursday that I was supposed to fly out and I wouldn't have taken it if I was flying down to Houston. Um, but I took it and I got it. Like, I can't believe that I actually got it. Um, but I haven't gotten the vaccine yet. I'm supposed to get it tonight, um, which is Wednesday night uh, because of the delays of shipments because of the weather. But fingers crossed, I haven't gotten a delay yet t- today. So um, I'm actually, I have my vaccine appointment at City Field where the Mets play at 12.45 in the morning. That is so New York. Only in New York are they going to do vaccinations 24 hours a day. But I'm very grateful that I'm going to have the opportunity to get it. Um, and hopefully that means that I can I can actually go and teach for summer intensives and things like that and do more competitions. So fingers crossed on all of that. Um, I'll keep you updated and let you know how that goes. Um, so yeah, that is that. Also, uh, my company, we had our digital premiere of Roses Are Red Butts, which is a romantic pas de deux about how uh, not all love is seen equally here in the United States. It was v- very well received. Um, and you can follow, you can find that on YouTube by uh, going to our YouTube channel, Movement Headquarters uh, Movement Channel, and looking for that. It's roses are red, comma, but to dot, dot, dot. Um, we also offered early release of that on our Patreon. Um, so we, we have our Patreon for Land of the Sweets, uh, our immersive nutcracker that we're building to hopefully premiere in December 2021. Um, it will happen if we, as long as we're allowed to. Um, that's why I said if, but um, we are also we're also starting to add content on our Patreon outside of 
um, Land of the Sweets. So I do recommend that you visit www.patreon.com forward slash movement HQ and become a subscriber. Help support us, uh, get some fresh content at least three times a month, um, and we'll go from there. So yeah, last thing in my my intro announcements, uh, virtual classes will continue every Friday in March. Um, The only reason that it might be canceled if I get called to Youth America Grand Prix to judge, they've been doing it uh, more last second because of COVID, obviously. Um, But I've been running them for for quite a while. If you want more details about that, you can... uh, Reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, it's at B Carolis, B K E R O L L I S, or at movement underscore headquarters. So that is all that is going on in my world. So let's get on to our podcast today. That was a good short intro. Sometimes my intros go on forever. That was like four minutes. Good job, Barry. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I've been thinking about different topics that I want to do. And um, I don't know why this one really stood stood out to me. Maybe because I've been experiencing something with this lately. Um, and I often feel that it's better to share things with you guys when I'm going through it. Because I feel like I can talk to it better when it's current and relevant versus like thinking back into the past how I felt with this situation, that situation. So today we are going to talk about uh, just knowing when to push for things. As... Uh, People, as dancers especially, um, there are times to push for things, and sometimes it's for your career, sometimes it's for your pocketbook, sometimes it's for your mental health, and sometimes it's for the greater good of others. It's not always just about self, but it can be about community or another person or uh, anything from zero to a million, but um, there, there is a, a time and a place Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, so I'm going to analyze times that I've pushed for things and times that I pulled back. Um, and I'm going to, I am going to tell you these things in hopes that it gives you some reference points so that if you find that you need to push for something, whether it be pushing for casting, or maybe you're on a wait list for summer program and you would really like to push to get into that school, or maybe you didn't get paid, um, and you want to make sure that you get what you're owed or um, maybe, I don't know, I've been having crazy issues with my unemployment and I it's been four and a half months and I'm still pushing every every week to, to get that resolved. So um, this is mostly going to be dance related, uh, obviously, because this is pot to chat talking dance. Um, but I'm sure that you can also use this in other aspects of your life outside of dance. So yeah, I'm going to start talking uh, about my experiences as a student, and then I'm going to move uh, forward from there. So uh, as a student, you tend to be focused on learning and seeking greater opportunities um, to really like grow and gain knowledge. Uh, if, if something really goes awry, it's it's a bit easier as a student because you're a child, and often you have parents to push for things. Um, so maybe you don't have to push it at all, and your parents take it up. Or maybe you push a little bit. If it's not taken care of, your parents take it on, and the balls pass back to you. It's 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 different as a student versus a uh, an adult, but it's really good to at least start to practice 
as a student how to push for things because there is going to be a point hopefully, um, in your life where you're going to be independent and you're going to be responsible for yourself and you're going to have to be able to push for things. And then maybe you just reference other people, whether it's a parent or a mentor, um, and they give you advice, but it's going to be on you. So, um, it is easier as a student because you have other people to advocate for you. Um, advocate, 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 advocate. Yes. Advocate. <laughs> Did I say that like seven times? Uh, but yeah, there, there may also be times that a kid needs to push for things, um, which are usually going to be valuable learning lessons because people and systems are much more forgiving. If you push too far, uh, or you push for something that you're not quite ready for or deserving of, which happens, um, or the person or organization you're pushing for isn't receptive. Um, it's, yeah, it's just easier as a student. So for me, I'm going to share a couple of my student experiences with you. Uh, one, I think one of my earlier times that I pushed for something uh, that had a positive outcome was when I was training at the Chester Valley Dance Academy in Chester County, Pennsylvania, in the suburbs of Philly, where I was raised. Um, I started off as like a very recreational student, like one class a week, and then I did two classes a week. And then when I was 13, I started taking more classes a week. And um we would have class Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. And we really wanted another ballet class. And it didn't seem like there was anywhere else on the schedule uh, because all we had were Fridays and Sundays off. So a small group of us banded together and we started pushing the director of the school to see if they were willing to add an extra ballet class onto the schedule. Um, so we asked, we got together, uh, the director said, let me think about it. And then came back to us. And if we could get enough people to take the class, then she would hire a teacher to come in. And we ended up actually advocating for ourselves. Well, and they added that class, to the schedule. Um, so that was really good. And that was something that was simple. It wasn't something that if it didn't happen, bad things would happen. It was really only something that would enrich our, our education. Um, so it was actually a really good, like practice test as a kid, um, to advocate for that because it, the, no matter the outcome, it wasn't going to be painful for us. Um, in life, we often have to advocate for ourselves in situations where if we don't get our way, um, it's not just like, wow, like, woe is me. It's, it could be painful. Um, so it's nice when you're younger, if you find a few situations where you might want to try to push for something that you'd like, um, to do that because, uh, the repercussions are not as great. Um, or if you don't get it, the, it's not as, uh, challenging. So yeah, that was, that was one of the first things. Another thing that I did during my student career, my student experience was I, uh, pushed to go to summer intensives when my family couldn't afford it. So uh, I really didn't understand what summer intensives were until I was 15 and I auditioned for like school of American ballet when I was 15, I didn't get in. So I didn't go. But by the age of 16, I was like, I am going to a summer t- intensive no matter what. My family was broke. We did not have money, um, let alone money to send me across the country and dorms, housing, flight, uh, dorms and housing are the same thing. I just realized that, but like dorms, uh, tuition, flight, uh, spending money while you're away for a certain amount of weeks, food, etc. Um, so I just went ahead and I auditioned for summer programs. When I got in, I got a small scholarship to the Houston Ballet, but my family still couldn't afford to send me. So what we did was I started to push forward uh, to 
make that happen. So first thing is I had to push my parents. Um, but after I, I, I got into the schools, um, one thing I had to do is I had to call the school and I had to request fi- financial aid. Um, luckily, the school had a program set up to uh, take care of things like that. And I was able to get a little bit more assistance while I was down there. But it wasn't enough to cover everything. So uh, the next thing I did was I pushed local businesses to see if they would be willing to support me. Today, you would just go online and create a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or GoFundMe. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, back then, we didn't have that. So I went into the Yellow Pages and I looked at local businesses and got their addresses and put together letters and I asked them for money. Um and a few sent me checks to help send me. Um, one was at a local dance school. They gave me all of my shoes that I needed for it. Um, so again, that was a positive outcome. I do want to say I feel that kids will more often have a positive outcome. People are more compassionate towards kids. As you become an adult, people kind of have the expectation that you should be more uh, independent and able to take care of yourself. So it's 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 a bit easier. You're more likely to have a positive outcome if you're a kid pushing for something. All right, so I made it to Houston Ballet Summer Program. The next year I did a, f- uh, a few more summer intensives and then I ended up going to the Kirov Academy of Ballet. I'm not gonna go too far into detail about this because I've discussed it in a previous podcast. So if you, if you want to hear this story, you can go back, find my conversation about the Kirov. Um, so... When I went to the Kirov, they said, very slow year for boys. Um, and they gave me a very minor scholarship for the year. And I think, I can't remember, it was like $16,000 to attend the school for housing and tuition. Um, and I, oh, and academics as well. And my family could not afford that. So they gave me a $6,000 scholarship. And when um, that happened. I asked somebody who I was uh, in contact with, for, who they used to be the executive director of Russian Ballet Theater of Delaware, and we had become, uh, I don't want to say buddy buddy, but she she was a supporter of mine um, and my career, and she was able to get a promise of a two thousand um, dollar check to get me started, and then at least from there I could push uh, and find new ways to to fund my year at the Kirov. Um, unfortunately, 9-11 happened while she was flying, and luckily she wasn't on one of the flights that crashed. But uh, she was grounded in Kansas City on her way to Denver to pick up the check, and the person, when she finally arrived in Denver, was too scared about what was happening in the world and said, I'm sorry, I can't give you a check anymore to help this student out. Um, so I was already at the Kirov at this point and, uh, we were already a, a week into the, the program and because of the craziness of the world, they gave me like an extended forgiveness for the late payment and gave me time. Um, after a month, it became clear that given the state of the world, that people were going to be very tight with their pocketbooks. And they actually offered me a full scholarship, um, because I had shown to them that I could be a leader in the school and that I was going to, uh, give back to the school in a way that was uh, worth a merit scholarship. Uh, We got this in writing, but uh, the day of graduation, they revoked the scholarship and we weren't in Pennsylvania where my mom had the paperwork. So uh, we couldn't fight it because we didn't have it. So I walked through my graduation and they handed me a diploma book without a diploma in it. 
Um, but what ended up happening was uh, one of the dorm advisors actually snuck into the office at the Kirov during our performances and they found the documentation in my file um, and showed it to the executive director and they had no choice but to give me my scholarship. Um, so this was uh, a moment where I had I had to push but other people pushed more for me. Um, so I was really lucky that it wasn't all on me, but in the end, it made me so uncomfortable that I've actually never, ever returned to the Kirov since. Now, granted, most of the people who were involved, actually all the people who were involved in that have either passed away or have left the organization. They've had a lot of issues there, um, over the years, most recently, like $800,000 was, um, stolen from them by an accountant. But, um, for, for me, I'd probably feel fine going there now, but when the management was still there that did this to me, I was too uncomfortable to return. So while there was a positive outcome for my career and my high school, um, getting my high school diploma, it did cause uh, an uncomfortable situation where I didn't feel like I was welcome anymore. Um, And if I had chosen to not push, would I have gotten my, uh, my diploma? Um, would my mom have been able to find the paperwork? Like those are all questions that I can't answer, but that was the outcome. Sometimes when you push for things, you get what you want, but it doesn't always leave the relationship in a positive place. Um, so after that, I ended up going to the school of American ballet. So I was, I was given a, I was given, I I was awarded a contract to join the court of ballet of Colorado ballet in Denver. Um, but I, I chose to, uh, forego that contract to train another year at the school of American ballet because it was my dream. Um, and then when I got there, I was placed in a lower level than, than the highest level. They had this level (laughs) looking back, it's kind of like, whoa, but the level was called special, and they said that it was the group of advanced male dancers who they thought were going to be the future principals of American ballet companies. Um, so you were either in advance, but then a small group of the advanced men were special. Um, and I was not special. And I, <laughs> I was not okay with it. Um, just because I'd given up a professional contract with a well-known company um, to train another year and I was placed on a lower level. So I pushed a bit. Um, at this point, I was really on my own, so I pushed a bit. I went and had meetings with the teach with the director of the school, and some of my teachers. And luckily, even even though I I was a kid, I was like a kid kind of adult, eighteen, nineteen. Um, I was lucky that I had adults who believed in me and supported me um, to help advocate for me. Um, so what ended up happening was uh, Jock Soto, one of my uh, one of my mentors while I was there, he took me under his wing and he's like, you know, you need to take more classes. So you're going to take my intermediate level class every single day that I teach. Um, So I ended up taking intermediate, instead of going up a level, I ended up going down a level. I took intermediate level classes and advanced level classes. And lucky for me, after uh, three months of that, I was moved into the special uh, group and I got to spend the the rest of the year doing that. So um, I really pushed I, I pushed, I didn't push really hard to make this happen, but I pushed and I was very uh, adamant that this is what I wanted. And um, then my teachers helped me through it. And what it really came down to is I had to have the follow through. I had to, I had to push my work ethic um, and my ability, like my exhaustion uh, instead of using my words. So there was a really, this was a, a wholly positive outcome in a matter of months. It doesn't always work that way, but this was a situation where I pushed, 
people agreed with me or saw potential in me and they said, well, if you want what you're pushing for, you're going to have to give more. And I was willing and able to give more and I did. And for that reason, I was lucky that I had a positive outcome because even if you push hard, you may not get it. So those are uh, several student experiences where I, I really pushed to get something. Sometimes it was just an opportunity. Sometimes it was to get something that I thought that I deserved. Um, and other things, it was uh, for things that were owed to me, that were promised to me, um, that people tried to keep from me. So I think that it's a really good spread and it taught me a lot as a student. Um, and the it's important though to note that I wasn't wholly on my own for a lot of those things. Um, but as I got older, more of the situations that happened, I was on my own. Um, of course, I had like the support of my husband, my family, and my my friends and peers. But um, in the end, beyond this point, most of it has been on me. Um, so let's talk about my professional career, performance career. Um, the first time I really pushed uh, in my performance career was when I finished my tenure, my one-year tenure with Houston Ballet before I joined Pacific Northwest Ballet. It was very complicated the way that things worked. Um, all of the apprentices get fired every year. I don't know if they still do that, but um, you in the union contract, you could only be an apprentice for one year, and then you either had to be promoted to core or you had to be let go. Um, so what they did, which I thought was really unethical, um, I still do. But they would fire all the apprentices and then they would promote them to core once the time of uh, renewal had passed. So all the dancers in most AGMA companies need to be told by March 1st if they're going to be uh, reengaged with the company for the next season. Um, And then the dancers have till April 1st to tell the company if they're going to take the job. Um, Now, it gets complicated because... If you just get fired, but they tell you we're considering you for a core contract, you start auditioning other places. And then if you get a core contract, you have to respond sooner. And it, it gets very complicated. So um, I I think I knew in my gut that Houston Ballet wasn't going to be a good fit for me, but it was a dream company of mine. So I was like really holding on. But when I got a job with Pacific Northwest Ballet, it just felt like the right thing to do. And I took the job without even approaching Stanton Welch. Um to see if he was going to offer me a core contract. In the end, I think he was going to, but that's just speculation on my part. Um, And there's other factors that show me that that was going to happen. But um, I was really upset that that was how things played out and um, very disappointed because I was, I don't know, in my ego, I was like, I've put in the work and I've shown that I can be a good core dancer with this company. And instead of uh, being affirmed with that, I was dragged along and there was, there wasn't any honesty in it. It was, um, I I don't know when I'm going to be able to tell you, I don't know if I'm going to be able to offer it to you instead of saying, I'm really interested. If I get a position, I'll hire you. It was just never like anything. Sure. Um, granted it was also Stanton's first year as a director. So hopefully he has changed since then. But anyway, I felt degraded all year by a handful of different things. And when it finally came to the end, they have a very long contract for an American company at 44 weeks. Um, And so we finished our season and there there were two more weeks of work after the season ended. So what they did was they started rehearsing some works for the next season. That year, Stanton did not re-engage about 13 dancers with the company. Um, It was a massive, massive transition. Some left um, and – sorry. So some left and some he didn't re-engage. So – 
out of all of the dancers that were not coming back for the next season, I was the only dancer that was at, not asked, told that I had to continue rehearsing for the next season with the company, which was really confusing for me, um, especially at a young age. And this is something that's actually becoming a conversation in the dance world about like mind games that people play with young, uh, high level dancers, but very, very young and not emotionally mature dancers yet. Um, I was told that I had to rehearse Peter Pan, Trey McIntyre's Peter Pan, um, even though I had never been offered a contract or told that I was going to be offered a contract. So I, I'm looking at all these other dancers that were let go and me not knowing if I was truly let go or not, like I was, but if I was going to be rehired into the core, I thought that I should have been in that group. But what ended up happening was uh, they, I, I was the only one called and I, I felt awful and people worked me up and they'd be like, I can't believe he did that to you. And that's kind of what people tend to do. Uh, but I, I can't believe that you, like, you're going to take that, like you should say something. So finally I was like, I need to stand up for myself. And, um, the last show of the year, we still had two more weeks of rehearsal. I reached out. So I, I walked up to Stanton backstage and I said, can I talk to you? And he's like, okay. And I said, I, I just want to know, I, I don't understand why I'm the only one out of 13 dancers that's being called to rehearsals next year. Sorry, for next year. Um, and he's like, it's your job. And I said, well, I, I understand that, but I, I just don't think it's fair. I, think, I feel like I'm being like singled out when you didn't even hire me to next year, it almost feels insulting. And his response was just, it's your job. And I got upset and I don't really remember how the rest of the conversation went, but I remember there were a handful of dancers around us and he started screaming at me. Um, it was very uncomfortable. And I mean, I think it was unprofessional, but also he was new. I was new. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> he was young for a director. Uh, and yeah, so I ended up having to go to those rehearsals and it was very uh, demeaning in my opinion. If I had more information, maybe he would have, if he would have said, I was planning on hiring you, but you didn't come to me and I need somebody. So I'm going to ask you to continue. And that would have actually left us in better standing because at least I would have been like, he wanted me, not like I'm doing this to you. Um, but yeah, so I stood up for myself. It didn't go well. It, in the end, now that I have retrospect, um, it, it probably it would have been better for me to just have sucked it up and to have dealt with it because it was really only another week or two of work. And I was emotional, um, but I probably could have not had that stressful confrontation if I just walked away from the situation and dealt with it. If it was something that was a long-term situation, yeah, I should have spoken up, but it was a week or two. Um, so that was one, that was my first like true time in my professional career where I had to push. Um, one that most dancers can understand is pushing for casting. Uh, you learn over time in a company that you have to push for casting because it's not so much that you are, um, they're looking at you and saying they're not right for the role. A lot of times what directors do is they look at the leading roles and the, the, the most important supporting roles and they go, who would be best for that? And then everybody else is fit into the casting like a puzzle. So it's not so much about opportunity. It's more about just like the piece, making the pieces fit. Um, and once you figure that out as a dancer and you, you understand more of how each company's process works for advocating for yourself, it's a good thing to do to, to push to, for your casting though. It's not always easy and often it's unsuccessful. Um, but I learned this probably like my second or third year in the company. And honestly, it taught me how to stand up for myself. Um, 
And while it created several uncomfortable conversations, uh, there were a handful of times that it actually worked to my benefit. Um, but in reality, in, in any good working environment, you should be able to have these conversations. And if you can't, honestly, I think you should get out of that situation. There, there should never be a situation where the director is completely unapproachable and they can't give you a reasonable response. I do wish that there was a little bit more uh, people being straightforward. I, I understand now that I'm in the director role that sometimes you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or sometimes it can create more problems. But for me personally, as a director, I try my best to be as straightforward with these things. I can't always be, but I try to. Um, so yeah, pushing for casting is a good thing. And honestly, I think it's it's an easier way to start cultivating the tool of knowing when and when not to push for something. Um, say you're an apprentice and you're pushing to do Aurora. That might be inappropriate. Um, but say that you've been in the company for six years, you're in the second cast core, and uh, you've done that role three times in the first cast. That might be a time to push for it. Or you've done the first cast core three times in the fourth time the ballet comes around, you think that you deserve a chance to get promoted out of the court. Um, so those are times to advocate for yourself. Um, this is another situation I've talked about a lot on here. So if you want to know the whole scoop, go back and listen to previous episodes. But Ballet X, when I got injured and wasn't taken care of, I had no choice but to push back. So this was a situation where it wasn't like, oh, like, should I push back or should I not? It was I had no choice but to really, like, get on my comfort zone and push. Um, so the short of it is I got injured on the job. I wasn't offered the workers' comp that was due to me, but I didn't know it because the company was in their first season and they hadn't they didn't hire us with workers' comp. Um, so I tried to recover my own and then um, I came back and I got my injury got worse once we started working again. And then it was revealed to me that workers' comp had been hidden from me the entire time. Um, so when I demanded the workers' comp, it created a rift. They ended up firing me. Um, I had no choice but to push back because it came down to my physical health and my well-being and my ability to survive. Um, in the end, they fought my workers' comp and my unemployment, saying that I had been there injured uh, when I showed up in June of 2011, even though I performed at least 20 shows with them until I got injured uh, seven months later. Um, they also tried to get my unemployment denied saying that I chose not to work for them, but I, I was injured. So it, it was like, I couldn't work for them and they fired me because I was injured. Um, it was really unfortunate because it burnt a bridge. Um, and it caused one of the greatest stressors in my life and career. Like it's, it's truly a defining, uh, period of my life. Granted, it was 10 years ago, which is crazy to think almost to the day. Um, a decade has passed, but it is something that is still with me every day. And I, I wish that I didn't have to really like push for myself in that situation. But that was one of the situations where it came down to survival and I had no choice. Um, next, freelancing. Freelancing was interesting because uh, it really was a lot of pushing. Um, and for again, it was more pushing for survival. Um, at first, it would be just pushing to get jobs, getting out of my comfort zone. Um, if somebody was on the fence about hiring me, like pushing them to like understand like why I was the right person to hire. Um, but then once I would get on the jobs, I would push for, for work, uh, sorry, for appropriate conditions, for fair pay, to be treated professionally. Um, and considering I wasn't committed to anything long-term when I was freelancing, um, it was kind of nice because if me pushing for these things created stress, it wasn't that big of a deal because uh, I wasn't going to stay there for too long. 
Um, if it was something that really wasn't worth it, I would just let it be because I would end up leaving like a week or days or a few weeks later. Um, but there were several times where conditions were inappropriate or I was afraid that I would become injured because like when I was dancing with uh, Company C Contemporary Ballet out in San Francisco, um, I learned a 20 minute ballet in two days and then they wanted me to run it from beginning to end without ever like piecing it together. Um, so that was like a stressful, tense moment where I had to like push to not like run it. Um, but yeah, usually it wasn't that big of a deal because if a, if they really were that bad, I didn't want to go to the back, go back and work for them again. Um, but if it wasn't like I had to stay there and continue working, um, it was a matter, but it, if it was a matter of physical and mental health, uh, as well as comfort and safety, I, I would often speak up. Um, but again, that would be like a choose, choose your battles type situation. Um, but yeah, sometimes you come to a place where you have no choice and you just have to deal with the fallout afterwards. Um, and I feel like that tends to happen more in professional careers than it does, uh, when you're a child. Um, so buckle up kids. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's good to at least have practice and have tools and resources and, uh, to often take a step back. Um, one of my rules was always if I was upset about something or if I am upset about something, not to respond the day of, to always have one sleep before I respond. So um, if you find yourself in one of these types of situations, I often r- will tell you that you should take a step back. Um, okay, let's talk about my post-performance career. So um, for this, it's very similar to my performance career, but uh, for me, I've been more of a freelancer as as a, a teacher and as a choreographer, a writer and a podcaster, um, but all those things. Uh, the weird thing, though, is that as a teacher and a choreographer, uh, I tend to get paid better and receive a lot more respect than I did as a dancer, which I still don't understand since dancers are like the product, like the the dance world wouldn't be the dance world if you didn't have dancers on stage. But we treat our dancers worse than we treat the people that get them on stage. And I, I have it. That should be a whole podcast someday, but I'm not ready for it yet. Um, I need a lot more time to think about that and assess. But it's, it's just very strange. Um, I get paid more, um, which I'm grateful for. But also I get treated better. Um, and people, they're more likely to want to woo me and to uh, fawn over me as a choreographer and a teacher than they did as a dancer. As a dancer, it was kind of like... You'll do what I say. Um, you'll you should be grateful for this meager amount of pay, and that you're just getting to dance. Um, it's very strange. Nonetheless, I've had many situations uh, where I've had to ask for things in my post performance career. Um, it's usually better pay, um, a better class time, um, assistance with marketing for classes, um, or like issues with parents and students, things like that. Um, I'm going to talk about something that I haven't really talked about, and I hope that it doesn't bite me in the ass, but um, there's been some time, and I like to give some distance before I talk about things, Um, and it it just feels like the appropriate time for me to finally talk about this, Um, because I've learned it's best not to talk about situations while they're happening. It's better to talk about them after they're in the past, as I did with Ballet X, so... I haven't really talked about this since it happened, and I'm I'm still not going to go too much into detail with this. I, I will at some point, but 
it is not the right time. But uh, my most recent professional struggle has been with teaching open classes uh, at Broadway Dance Center. Um, for me personally, I've struggled with how the system of open classes is set up for teachers. And I'm not calling Broadway Dance Center out particularly for this because this is actually something that is rampant across the country when it comes to open classes. Um, what most of you probably don't realize is that many of your favorite teachers are not getting paid appropriately. Um, and they also don't really get much marketing support and are mostly on their own when it comes to their classes. So if you see your teachers like on Instagram or Facebook and they're constantly like class on Tuesday, class on Friday, class on Saturday, uh, we're going to do this crazy fun combo. You should come. Um, it's because we're marketing our classes because we get paid per head and we're not getting much help with the marketing. So um, when I say get paid per head, it's like you get a certain amount of money for each student that's in your class. And then even worse for the ballet teachers like me, you get paid um, per head base. And, but you also have to pay a portion of your, your musician's fee, your pianist's fee. Um, it's, it's kind of a corrupt system. And I don't blame one organization for it because they've all sort of been doing it for years. And it, it's really great if you, if you are a popular teacher, um, you can make more money than anybody else, uh, ever would. Like I have a certain rate that I charge if I go to a school, um, or if I have private lessons, but, um, I've gotten way more than that rate sometimes teaching open classes and then I've gotten minimum wage or less. There have been some classes where I would travel from Philadelphia to teach in New York when I was like preparing to, to move to New York. Um, and between me paying the musician and paying for my bus ride there and back and subway and food, I actually made, I actually lost money to teach uh, open classes. Um, the, and the thing is also, yeah, so some teachers are getting paid a lot, but um, a majority of the teachers are getting underpaid, um, especially in a city like New York where there's so many class options. And uh, if you're in a style at a school that isn't the most popular, like at Broadway Dance Center, the commercial styles are more popular. And if you're going to take ballet, you're going to go steps on Broadway. Um, you're going to work just as hard, if not harder, to get people in your classes and you're going to make less money. So... Um, as the pandemic took hold um, and a variety of things started to happen, both in the world and also with my relationship at Broadway Dance Center, I came to realize that after four years of teaching open classes that I barely had any savings um, to rely on because some classes I just wasn't making any money to teach. Um, and this was really important because when the pandemic hit, we didn't know that we were all going to get unemployment. Um, and it became a very frightening, desperate situation. And I was starting to go, am I going to have to take out my 401k? God, am I lucky I have a 401k to even consider. What about the teachers that don't have a 401k um, and have no savings because they're trying to really push their career to, to, to get into a great school with a great name like Broadway Dance Center, but they're not making any money. Um, for me, after four years, like I said, some classes I was making good money. Um, most classes I wasn't. Um, and it changed every class and I couldn't tell what it was going to be. So when all of this was going down, um, I, I waited a bit until things became clearer, but I started to push management to make uh, this aspect of my career more sustainable. And my timing was incorrect. And uh, granted, I think it's really important to note that in the last year, no timing is correct for anything. So I waited about six months to address it. But um, me approaching a financial issue during a time where financial issues are rampant for everybody, especially the performing arts, which are shut down. It was bad timing. Um, but I really had no choice because for me, it got to a point where mentally I was like, 
I can't handle this, where financially, I was like, I can't handle this. And it, it honestly put a lot of stress on my relationship there. So, um, like I said, there, there was no right time and, and I did it and I tried to approach it in the most professional way. But I fear that my pushing to make teaching open classes as a teacher in one of the most renowned schools in the world and most expensive cities in the world um, is now in jeopardy due to that. So um, if you've noticed, I've stepped back my teaching at Broadway Dance Center. I'm still, I'm still involved in the organization and I'm trying to uh, determine what my relationship will be with the organization going forward. I do hope to continue a relationship with them. I just have to wrap my mind around how to make that happen if I'm not going to be paid a sustainable wage. Um, so that's sort of on hiatus. And if, if you've noticed, I started teaching my own virtual classes while I assess the situation and determine if it, if it is worth pushing um, and pursuing or stepping away from it altogether for the time being. Um, and I, I don't say this in any way to like, call anybody out. So I'm not asking for hate. I'm just revealing another aspect of the dance world that a lot of people don't know about. Um, one thing that I've always said here on Pod of Chat Talking Dance is my brand is candor. And it has been since I started blogging on, on uh, Life of a Freelance Dancer back in 2012 when the Ballet X situation happened with, with my freelancing. So um, I'm not saying this in spite or in a place from anger. I, I have... Uh, had an entire year, honestly. We're almost coming up on the year anniversary of when open classes stopped uh, functioning in a in-person format in New York City. Um, and I've I've worked through a lot of the emotions that I had surrounding um, those different issues. Um, so, like I said, it, I'm not I'm not saying this publicly to ask people to look down upon these open class organizations that are. Uh, paying their teachers in this format. I'm just trying to raise awareness so that it can be a conversation and that maybe it can become something that is more sustainable and that the most the teachers that have some of the most public profiles can actually be paid a sustainable wage instead of hoping that their social media following is going to garner enough students walking in the door so that they uh, can have a savings account so that if the world collapses, that they don't have to um, go to a food bank to eat, that they don't have to uh, fly back to their childhood home at the age of 35 to survive so they don't have to pull out all of their life savings. Um, this, I, I had a call that came through and I think it, uh, may have delayed, uh, interrupted my recording. If it didn't, um, then we continue, but here we are. So, um, I hate it when that happens on my phone. Anyway, so as I was saying, I'm not trying to cancel culture anybody. I'm just trying to raise awareness. And this is my most recent experience with having to push for something. And, like I said, it didn't it it didn't go well. And sometimes you push for things that you think that you deserve, but if if the other party is not in a place to be receptive, and I'm not saying like emotionally, maybe it is emotionally, but it might also be the timing isn't right. The world is collapsing, economies are crashing, and businesses are trying to survive, and somebody comes to them saying, I don't know if I can continue to work in this capacity. Um because I can't survive anymore like this. Um, sometimes, even if it's a completely reasonable conversation, pushing for something to do well for yourself, it may still backfire. Um, so it's always something that you should keep in mind um, when you make the decision to push for something. And I, as I said before, I think it's important that you... Um, you take a sleep, have a sleep before you do it. If you need more than one sleep, 
go to sleep, take the next day, go to sleep again, then address it. And that way, at least you're not addressing things and pushing for things emotional. You're just doing it um, to get it done. So yeah, as you can see, there is a time to push and there's a time to step back. Sometimes you have to give yourself a good cushion of space uh, to make a decision to push or not. And sometimes the relationship is worth more than what you are pushing to get. It will change in every situation. And the best you can do is sit back, assess the pros and cons of pushing, and then cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, That's really what you do. Oh, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, that was such a good ending, but I'm going to say anyway. Sometimes uh, you have to push for others and not for yourself. I did that as a union delegate. Um, and that taught me a lot about helping others and having civil conversations about tough topics with people who hold power over you. Um, and depending on the management, it could cause problems with your career. Um, but I found to always push from a place of helping others versus serving one's own needs. You kind of have to verbalize that in order for people to understand that. Um, that was one, one, one time that I pushed for others. Um, there was another time with Alaska Dance Theater where there were some housing issues and car, itch, car share issues. And while initially I had the issue with it, I was taken care of. There was a younger dancer that was put in a situation that I thought was really inappropriate. And I really wanted to fight for them. Um, but my host family gave me some really good advice. He was a child psychiatrist. Um, and he said he gave me this vacuum reference where there are vacuums all over his his place of work with messes on the floors, and everybody's asking him to plug the vacuum in and push it back and forth and clean up the mess. But the only thing he would ever do is he would tell them how to plug it in and how to work the vacuum, but he would never actually clean up the mess for them. Um, and that was really great advice for me um, when it came to pushing for others um, because I was taking on a lot more burden for other people than I needed to. Um, there are some jobs where you have to do that, like being a lawyer. Um, or an advocate, but uh, or like a union delegate, like I did before. But um, now I mostly advocate for others to take care of their own issues, like I'm doing now. I'm happy to be a resource, but I found that I, I already have too many stressors and issues in my own life to always be uh, looking out for others and taking care of their issues. So now I often offer consulting advice, usually for free to professionals. Um, not always if I don't have the time, but I do my best to to be as generous with that as possible. Um, and when I also have the mental space, but I rarely take on those burdens anymore. So yeah, one more time. There's a time to push. There's a time to step back. Sometimes you have to give yourself a good cushion of space to make a decision or to, to push or not. And sometimes a relationship is worth more than what you're, you're pushing to get. Um, so again, assess the pros and cons of pushing and then cross your fingers and hope for the best. So that is today's episode. I hope that this helps you. I feel that right now, a lot of people are having to advocate for themselves. So um, I hope that you can use some of these tools uh, that I've shared with you to uh, come up with your best outcome or to choose that something may not be worth pushing, or maybe it's not the right time to push. Um, If you have any, uh, I haven't got any podcast episode recommendations lately. So if you have any, feel free to send them my way. Um, I'd love to hear the topics you'd like to hear. Um, And with that, I'm going to let you go. All right. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to re- become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. If you'd like to learn about my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, you can visit www.movementhqballet.org. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. 
If you would like to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Corollas. On uh, Instagram, I also have movement headquarters at movement underscore headquarters, or you can follow me on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs, uh, Life of a Freelance Dancer, and on there I wrote about freelancing as an independent contractor for five years, touring the nation, and then I have Dancing Off Stage, and I wrote on there about post-performance careers of professional dancers. Also, if you want to check out my YouTube channels, I have B Corollas and Movement Headquarters, where you can check out my choreography. Uh, you can also check out our newest Roses Are Red butt on there. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chat. I hope you return to two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.